Pacers winners last night in Detroit. First time in months. No, I'm serious. That's not hyperbole. First time in months that they won a road game. Ten-game streak dated back to February 23rd in Washington. Thank God that's over. And it sets the stage for a critical matchup tomorrow night at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. Should be a great one between Indiana and Boston. And joining us now, a guy who's been with the Blue and Gold all year long on the sidelines for FS Indiana and good friend of the show, our buddy Jeremiah Johnson on the Omnisource guest line, Omnisource, the best in metals recycling. JJ, it's great to have you back on. How are you? Great to uh, be asked to be on. I'm uh, looking forward to it, and this is a fun time of the year with the playoffs right around the corner and some very important regular season games coming up this weekend. Yeah, it almost feels like a week extension of the playoffs, doesn't it? Yeah, actually almost two weeks. If you think back to last Friday when the Pacers played the Celtics, we kind of uh, build that as the start of a best-of-nine series because you knew even back then it's so rare with two weeks left in the regular season that you pretty much know who your playoff opponent would be. Now the Sixers have kind of fallen on hard times, so there is a chance if Boston would win tomorrow against Indiana and Philadelphia loses tonight, they will only be uh, the difference would only be one game, and Boston does have the tiebreaker with the Celtics. So um, we've been talking so much about a potential Pacers-Celtics playoff series, and it still is the most likely scenario, but there is an outside chance Philadelphia could fall off a little bit. But um, it's just so rare that you'll see so much of these two teams, and I wonder if by the second or third week of April there, were, there will be a little bit of bad blood. I mean, everybody was pretty nice on Friday in Boston, and we'll, we'll expect to see an intense atmosphere uh, tomorrow, but when the, when teams play each other so many different times, you can expect it may get get a little heated there when the playoffs start. From your observation, Jeremiah, Victor Oladipo clearly, I think we could say, you know, was a both an on court and off court kind of leader for Indiana. With him out of the picture, with Victor Oladipo out, as they head down the home stretch here, who does that team kind of turn to to be the stabilizer and the calming influence among the roster? It, without a doubt, it's Thaddeus Young. You know, they were the co-captains, and I even felt alongside Victor that, that Thaddeus was kind of the voice that he took some of the younger players even under his wing and just kind of tried to bring them along a little bit. And he's you have to be able to perform on the court. You can't just be a vocal leader. And I think the way he has kind of stepped up, it's been typical of his entire time with the Pacers, that he's not the first guy you, you mentioned in terms of a preview, and he's not at the top of an opponent's scouting report. But when he plays well, this team has a really good chance to win. And I just think um, he is he has shown us so many leadership qualities that I don't think anyone knew or expected to get when the Pacers made that trade with Brooklyn a few years back. And I just I can't help but think where this team would be. You don't even want to think about it, honestly, without Thaddeus Young. I think over the last two seasons, you know, last season, you know, they fought and got the five seed and they really would have been the three or the four if not for a hot streak from Philadelphia and Cleveland, and right now they're in position to maybe get that four with Oladipo missing more than half of the team's games, and I think that the leader is Thaddeus Young. He speaks up more than probably anyone else on that team right now, and uh, he's the leader of the team, and I think they go as Thaddeus Young goes, and it's crazy to say that for a guy that you think of as a glue guy, an intangible guy, but that's fitting that this team would have him as their leader. Given the disparity of how this team has played, especially lately at home, compared to on the road, how important would you say winning home court advantage and being the four seed is to the Pacers, JJ? You know, it's interesting. I think that the reason it's important is because they've been so public in saying it's their goal, and I almost feel like if they can get the four, it'll be some 
regular season validation that, you know, they've been saying it's kind of like a few years back when the Pacers are four or five years now, you know, the goal was the number one seed. Now it didn't work out for that team, but they talked about it so much that if they didn't get that number one seed, when the Paul George era, when they were trying to, you know, take down LeBron and the Miami heat, it would have felt like a disappointment. And that's kind of the way I feel like it with this team. They've been talking so much and been so public and saying, we want to be a home court advantage in the first round kind of team after losing a game seven on the road, last season and even a couple years back only Thaddeus and Miles were a part of that team but to lose in Toronto as far or actually just Miles was the only one that was even in that series but they've had some disappointments the last few years and not having home court advantage that's why I think it's important if they don't get it they'll have a couple of days to kind of say well you know it doesn't really matter and I'm not sure that it would be the worst thing in the world to go to Boston and maybe have the Celtics a little overconfident and go on the road I wouldn't say they have no chance if they don't have home court um, but you're right. March was not good on uh, on the road for the Pacers. Much of that was because of the schedule. So it, it's hard to say. I guess I'm kind of answering the question with, with two different answers. Um, but I think it's just important because it was a goal of theirs, and if they can get it, then they can say they accomplished it and feel good about themselves going into the postseason. J.J., the postseason roster always – the postseason, the, the rotation, I should say, always shrinks a little bit, and you get a couple of guys that got significant minutes during the regular season that now are, are spectators. Nate McMillan has used really all areas of his lineup in the last month to six weeks. Give me the three or four players, regardless of how many minutes they've gotten over the last month, that maybe are not going to see those minutes in the postseason and are just going to simply be shortened rotation casualties. Well, it's interesting because it's maybe not the answer that you would expect, although if you've watched a lot of the games, maybe you would. And, and I'm going to go back to after the Monday win against the Pistons when Nate McMillan said something. He said the games really matter now, and if you're not producing, you won't be on the court. And, and with that in mind, Aaron Holiday is producing. So you would normally say, well, if everyone is healthy, he's the guy that hasn't played that much all year. You'll go into playoffs, and, and he will not play. I kind of think it's the other way around. You know, Tyreek Evans is someone who has had – uh, a frustrating season, I think, by all accounts. He's had a few moments that were pretty good, but for the most part, he's kind of been a little bit of a disappointment. And if the, what I would say is the leash is just a little bit shorter. So if he doesn't perform, and Nate said it on Monday night, if he doesn't perform and Aaron Holiday is, then he will not hesitate to put Aaron Holiday in there. And we saw last night Aaron Holiday checked into the game the final three or four minutes of the third quarter, and the Pacers were up by – five or six points and they went on a 9-0 run and it wasn't just Aaron Holiday scoring but he changed the game completely and and then he stayed in until the end I mean he never came out and that was obviously with Darren Collison and Wesley Matthews out but uh, I would say Tyreek Evans to me is the one that might see his minutes decrease in the playoffs if he doesn't you know pick up his performance the other person could be TJ Leaf I think that they're very confident in their three-man rotation in terms of Miles, Thaddeus, and Domas three guys for two spots that T.J. Leaf in the next couple games will play. Maybe he wouldn't play in the postseason. Um, but other than that, I, the one I'm really watching is, is Aaron Holiday, a guy that hasn't played that much all season, but I think has been a difference maker the last couple of games, and I think it will be difficult to keep him off the court when it matters most. It's so weird, Jeremiah, because I literally said like an hour ago, and I know you know for two reasons I know you, you couldn't have heard this to parrot it. Number one, I don't think you're in town, and number two, why the hell would you be listening anyway? And what I said was that I felt like Aaron Holiday was going to have to get more minutes, and I would have said that it came at the expense of Corey Joseph, but I had this weird feeling it was going to come at the expense of Tyreek Evans. 
Yeah, and Corey Joseph, I think, is struggling, and he's been very honest the last uh, couple of days in terms of after practices saying that he knows his shot's not falling. He still thinks it will come. But when his shot is not falling, he still is doing other things. I mean, he is still your best backcourt defender, and I think tomorrow night, if Darren is unable to go, he will be guarding Kyrie Irving for much of the time. So you still need Corey Joseph, and I think that Nate McMillan has a confidence and a trust in Corey Joseph. Um, I'll be honest, I'm not sure at times if he has that with Tyreek Evans. And they've given him a number of opportunities, and there are situations where he has some size in the backcourt that he can help you and he can do something um, that some of the other guys don't. But, you know, last night was not a good Tyreek night, and he's had some moments. Granted, maybe he wins a game for you in the playoffs, but that's my opinion as well, that if Aaron Holiday continues to play well over the next few games, that he could take some of those Tyreek Evans minutes. And you all you have to qualify all this with saying Wesley Matthews and Darren Collison need to get back for the postseason, if not sooner. Is this season four for you or three for you, J.J., with the Pacers? Five, actually. Five? Oh, geez, I'm, I'm short-selling you. Okay. keeping track. Uh, so you've got five seasons under your belt, so that's far more than enough of a sample size to answer this question. Uh, since you go on the road with them as well, I-, I want you to tell me your favorite and least favorite NBA city to hit. All right, well, it's a common question. I feel like if anyone's listening and they've asked me, it is one where, depending on a good recent experience, you can kind of change your answer a little bit. I think Jake may tell you if he has a good trip to the Astrodome in Houston, then maybe he enjoys that one, right? Oh, yeah. uh, Oh, God, of course you bring up the Astrodome. Yeah, it's the best. (laughs) I've got some turf if you need any, Jeremiah. Serial killers' houses, you know. Yep. You yep. well. Also, why Milwaukee's a favorite. Yep. Yeah, I don't actually partake in any of those experiences, but I will say we went to one most recently, and uh, I do enjoy it. Is Denver? It's an underrated downtown. We every time we go, it seems like the weather is, uh, you know, not cold, not hot, just kind of nice. And I, I also enjoy that arena, especially now that the Nuggets are playing well. Even though the Pacers have not had any success there, it's spacious. It's uh, um, a good vibe in there. For, so I enjoy going to, Dan, to Denver. Uh, my least favorite is probably, and maybe it will change over the next couple of seasons, but it had been Milwaukee until they had this new arena because uh, the BMO Harris-Bradley Center was, without a doubt, number 30 on my list of uh, NBA arenas. Now they have the Pfizer Forum, and only one game there because one of those games was nationally televised. But, you know, downtown Milwaukee, the hotel we stay, it, it's never really done anything for me. It's so sleepy. Never really I've never anticipated the Milwaukee trip. Yeah, Milwaukee, to me, Jay, I, I only went there once and was for a wedding, but we walked around downtown, and it was all churches. Yeah, there's not a lot downtown there. Yeah, I mean, you can find spots, and I, I we were there once during the Big Ten tournament, and I did um, have lunch and watched a Wisconsin game with some people, and that was okay, you know, but uh, uh, Milwaukee's just not been one of my favorite places. And the one that I kind of go back and forth on as well is Brooklyn. We stay actually in Brooklyn now. And, you know, I've found some things there, but uh, maybe it's not my, my favorite either. I cannot believe, I mean, I can't believe that someone would be asked that question that is forced a couple of times a year to go to Detroit and didn't list that as their answer. Well, maybe, like I said, my judgment is a little clouded because when we were there yesterday, it was a uh, – it was a good win for the Pacers. It was about 60 degrees and sunny, and so I didn't really uh, have that disappointed uh, trip to Detroit as maybe I'd had in the past. So, And I did walk around, and I, I walked by Comerica Park on Tuesday. I almost walked in because Michigan State was playing Western Michigan in a college baseball game, but it was just a little too chilly, but I walked around. The Red Wings were playing. I didn't go into the game, but I kind of just walked around that area. And I will say downtown Detroit where you've got the Tigers, uh, little I mean, Arena. that little area is all right. It's had a little bit of a renaissance, hasn't it? 
I think they're building it up. And so, and, and Little Caesars Arena is, I will say, you pizza, no pizza. one would care about this, but they have the best media dining in the NBA. So is, that it maybe, uh, is it pizza? Is it pizza? It's got to be pizza, right? Well, they have pizza in addition to many other things. So you get your full meal and you think, all right, I'm good. And then at the end they have, uh, you know, hot and ready pizza and crazy bread. So, you know, I, I guess I feel better about Detroit than I did maybe a couple of years ago. Nice. Yeah, it's funny that we we so selfishly uh, rank these places, JJ, on what the media buffet is like. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, Jeremiah, they, they had fresh cookies in Philadelphia. If you so. go to just a tip, uh, Jeremiah, for you and Denari next time you're in Detroit. If you go to Madonna's childhood home, the lady that lives there is as nice as can be and is more than happy to take you in the backyard to see Madonna's old treehouse. <laughs> How many people knock on her door and ask to have a tour? Do you think? Well, one, just I Jake. can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, just Jake. Look, uh, Yeoman and Mark James are with me, and they're like, we're not getting out of the car. This is ridiculous. And I go up and knock on the door, and the lady's like inviting me in for Girl Scout cookies. And next thing you know, these two <laughs> yahoos are tagging along, and they're getting all the benefit of my You're ability crazy. to go up there and break the ice. No chance and I would do that. And then they tell the story. They say, you'll never guess what I did. Of course. I, I do all the legwork for these people. It's insane. Exactly. Yeah. Pacers and Celtics, biggest game of the season to date. It's tomorrow night at Baker's Life Fieldhouse. You can ch- catch, of course, J.J. with Chris and Quinn. Part of the coverage, FS Indiana, uh, all season long as we head into the playoffs and the home stretch of the regular season. Thanks so much, Jeremiah. One final travel note: If the Pacers are the five seed, they will be in Boston during that weekend when the Celt- when the uh, Red Sox have afternoon games and the Boston Marathon is Patriots on Day. Oh, really? It, it will be crazy up there. Yeah, Derek. I guess I should ask you for some advice and some tips. If the Pacers are the five seed and that series opens in Boston. We will be there at that time, which I just can't even imagine what it's going to be like. But They I had, Jeremiah, remember they had, a, I mean, not to make light of that, but the Pacers were the team they got when stuck the terrible there. bombing took yeah. place where they canceled the game. Remember, they were yeah. in Boston and they canceled it. Correct. That was the last year prior to me traveling with the Pacers, and I was working at Fox 59, and I even I remember I had to scramble to get something on the air for the 4.30 or 5 o'clock news, and I had to call Denary to do a phoner. Uh, because of them being kind of near that. So I, I do remember that, and I've never been around um, that weekend when that's been going on. But I guess I, I'll go back to Derek. If if we are headed to Boston next Friday and we're going to be there that weekend, I'll get some uh, tips and advice for how to how to navigate it because I'm sure it's it's crazy time there. Yeah, you know, I've actually never – it's a bucket list thing for me. I've never done Patriots Day. My wife has a That'd lot of cool. multiple times, but um, it's it's a local holiday for sure. I mean, they shut everything down. I think the schools are off that day. It's a huge day in Boston. But uh, You know, in a way, it could be like the good old days of Pacers and Racers except the Boston team. If they've got the Red Sox in the afternoon and the Celtics at night and the marathon, I mean, I can't imagine uh, the patriotism in the city if that would happen. But the Pacers' goal is to win tomorrow night, get that fourth seed, and then go to go to Boston a week later. Hope they take care of business. Thanks, JJ. All right, thanks.